This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good morning. It's Sterling Fox sitting in for the vacationing Jill Bennett. Nice to be back with you this cloudy Saturday morning, 13 degrees at 7.06. On the line with me is uh, criminal defense lawyer Kyla Lee, who is with the Acumen Law Corporation here in Vancouver, who recently wrote an article entitled Random Roadside Tests Fly in the Face of Your Charter Rights. Kyla Lee, good morning. Good morning, Sterling. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you again. I read your article in the Huffington Post the other day, uh, and it all deals with actually what's going on in the Senate. This is about a bill introduced in the House of Commons that has now reached the Senate for its participation in the uh, in the legislative process, and the Senate didn't like the bill. So back us up to the bill, first of all, Kyla, and then we'll, we'll dive into the, your charter rights at the side of the road. Yes, yeah, so Bill uh, C-46 is a bill that overhauls all of the impaired driving laws in Canada. Um, it was originally designed for the purposes of introducing a, um, a testing scheme and an enforcement scheme for the purposes of marijuana-impaired driving with mm-hmm. impending legalization. But in doing so, they also made significant and sweeping changes to the alcohol-impaired driving legislation that we've had in place, including removing the requirement that police officers have to have a reasonable suspicion that you have alcohol in your body before they ask you to blow into a roadside breathalyzer. So now it's almost, it sounds like it could be almost a whimsical thing rather than a reasonable doubt sort of thing. Completely random. They can stop any driver at any time and say, blow, and the driver's required to do so. Okay, now this is going down a separate street, and we won't spend much time on it, but the blow part of this, of course, is, is, is kind of worrisome because there is no device yet to blow into to determine whether a driver is impaired um, by uh, cannabis and its derivatives. Yes, right now we don't have any uh, approved devices in Canada for the purposes of testing marijuana uh, levels or or any drug, uh, for that matter. Um, There's separate mechanisms that are currently in place under the criminal code for testing for drugs. They're not very effective for marijuana, so something needs to come. And, you know, we're about a month away now, and I don't think it's going to be here in time. So is this bill, this this Bill C-46, which affords these new sweeping powers at the road, Roadside to individual police officers, Kyla, is this in some way the response of the the federal government to the frustrations expressed quite loudly by Canadian police forces all over the country about lack of proper tools to deal with marijuana when it comes down the pike shortly? I mean, some of C-46 is in the sense that it does create more avenues for police to investigate drug-impaired driving, but all of the changes that pertain to the alcohol scheme aren't as a result of of the police outcry for changes. In fact, the majority of police officers that I've talked to about this share the concerns that I have about the constitutional infirmity of the bill. All right, so let's talk about that. Uh, the constitutional, good good selection of words, inf- <laughs> infirmity, very, very diplomatically put, infirmity of the bill. What's, what's bugging you, Kyla, about this? Where, where is it on shaky legal ground from where you're sitting? Well, when you, already the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that when you blow into a roadside breathalyzer, your charter rights are being violated. And the only reason that violation is permitted is because there is a standard on which the demand has to be made. That is the, the reasonable suspicion that a person has alcohol in their body. Okay. So the police have to believe that first. And the results of the test traditionally are not used to form the basis of any punishment 
But in British Columbia, we did away with that back in 2010 when we introduced the immediate roadside prohibition scheme. Mm-hmm. So especially here in BC, where the results of those tests are used to penalize people, having no basis upon which the, the testing proceeds and making it completely random eliminates any of the constitutional safeguards that the Supreme Court of Canada has demanded. Okay, so let's let's back it up. So when you're pulled over now, before this, because now we're talking about a new bill currently before the Senate uh, affording even more powers to individual officers at the roadside. But tonight, if I'm pulled over on my way home from going to the movies, what rights do I have at the roadside? Not very many. Um, Before you blow into a roadside breathalyzer, you don't have the right to speak to a lawyer. You don't have the right to obtain any legal advice. When the officer asks you to blow, you're obligated to comply immediately. And if you refuse to blow, you get the same penalty as if you blow over. And if it's administrative, the 90-day suspension, the 30-day impound, and all of the fines. And if it's criminal, a criminal charge for refusing to blow, which leaves you with a one-year driving prohibition, thousand dollar fine and criminal record as a mandatory minimum penalty okay so simply by uh, if you're pulled over uh, and uh, you're asked to step out of the car uh, and uh, perform the the roadside sobriety test let's just say you know walk this line do the thing with follow my finger all of that sort of typical stuff uh, and and before that test is is administered, the, the the officer says, "I'd like you to perform a few simple tasks," and you say, "No, thank you." That refusal becomes a crime. Yes. And so the fact that the officer has to to ask you to do those tests or the breathalyzer has to meet a minimum standard of thinking. Okay, I think there's alcohol in this person's body. Right. That at least puts one safeguard in place because of the huge consequences that can flow from refusing. And of course, you know it has it has to be said, and I have to say it that uh, uh, you know the the penalties and this whole thing is predicated upon uh, getting drunk drivers and impaired. We got to be careful. Impaired drivers, uh, impaired under any circumstances, off the roads where they are a public menace, and I appreciate that very much. Nonetheless individual police officers, uh, at least according to what this bill seems to indicate, will receive even more powers at the roadside. And I don't know how, how, how I feel about that. I don't feel very comfortable at all. No, I, I don't either. And, and a lot of, you know, even at the Senate, some, um, when I was testifying about this bill, some of the senators were challenging me about the public safety purpose behind it. And certainly it's a legitimate goal. I'm of course. not in any way saying that it's not. But we live in a, a country that has a charter of rights and freedoms. We live in a free and democratic society. And there is a trade-off. We have to accept if we want to have this this nice life that we have in Canada, we have to accept a certain level of risk in order to have the greater thing, which is the charter rights, every single day. uh, Last week, the Senate Legal and Constitutional Affairs Committee voted to remove the random breath testing provision from Bill C-46, which is a controversial piece of impaired driving legislation. One of the people perhaps influencing that decision by that committee in the Senate was our guest, Kyla Lee, who is a criminal defense lawyer here in Vancouver with the Acumen Law Corporation. You testified before the Senate of Canada. Canada, and you said some of them had some pretty tough questions for you. What were the toughest questions about, Kyla? I mean, the toughest questions were the ones where I was challenged with an opinion by Professor Hogg, who is um, 
the leading constitutional law scholar in this country, and he offered an opinion on behalf of MAD Canada to indicate that in his view, the random breath testing provisions would be found constitutional if they were challenged in okay. court. So, you know, having to say, I disagree with the, you know, the smartest guy in the country on this issue, and here's why, that's a little hard. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's take some calls because, uh, not surprisingly, a few people took my invitation to jump in on the conversation. Let's go with Bob uh, for, to start things off. Bob, good morning. Hi, good morning. Look, first of all, back in the day, I probably drove drunk more than Dean Martin. So I'll get that out of the way first. Okay. Several years ago when they tightened up on all this, uh, I changed like a lot of other people changed. Smart guy. But I guess... Like or, uh, people like your guest and Dereshenko and David Baker and all the rest, they're basically becoming apologists for the criminal element. And somewhere between what I used to do and what they were trying to do with the roadside breathalyzer and suspension, etc., there's got to be a happy medium. But, you know, there are people all over this country buried six feet under, or they went to the crematorium because they died because of people that abuse the system. People abuse the system several times. People like your guest, if you look back in her records, prop, she probably got some of them off. Well, uh, let's give my guest a chance to respond, and thanks for your call. Uh, Bob says at one point or another he drank, uh, drove and drank more than Dean Martin, Kyla. What about you as a defense of those type of people who do represent a, a, a clear and present danger on the roads of Canada? Oh, absolutely. But um, again, like I said earlier, this is a constitutional right that everybody is entitled to. People are entitled to a defense. We have a beyond a reasonable doubt standard in our criminal courts. We have charter rights and and remedies if those rights are breached. And yes, I have had many clients uh, who I've gotten off for impaired driving cases. Um, But all of that was because proper procedure was not followed by police. Proper protocols were not done when it came to taking the breath samples, Mm -hmm. and charter rights were not respected. Right. And uh, we do have a a system of law that requires certain protocols to be observed, and failing observation of those protocols, uh, cases get dismissed, correct? Correct. All right. Terry, uh, you're welcome to join us right now. What do you think? Hi, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, Yeah, I kind of agree with Bob. Um, some poor fellow that I went to high school with in the 70s, really nice fellow, um, he was killed by a drunk driver at the age of 26, and his wife, who has never remarried, uh, had their son a week after he was killed. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it's an emotional response on my part, but the charter of rights is fine and dandy. I mean, I'm part American, so I really believe in like civil rights, especially for African Americans, etc. But um, I think that the police, in a way, if the you know maybe the thing is following proper procedure, but you know take the person aside on the road if if they think they're impaired and like talk to them and, and take their keys away from them, please. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Terry. Uh, Kyla, any response to that? I have two things to say. The first is we used to do that in Canada. We used to do the take them aside, give them right. a talking to, take their keys, and just give somebody a 24-hour suspension. Right. And it wasn't working, which is why we brought in more significant penalties. People weren't getting the message. They're like, oh, it's just a 2-4. And then, you know, the next day they were back at it again, like the first caller, like Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is it's interesting that uh, this individual brought up um, sort of the um, civil liberties and, and the treatment of African-American people in the United 
United States because one of the significant concerns that I had and, and many defense lawyers did about random breath testing was the impact that it would have on people who are visible minorities because we know about over-policing in communities. And profiling and all that kind of stuff, yeah. And those people are going to be more vulnerable to abuse of police authority. Even in this last week, um, Australia released data indicating that, and they have random breath testing, over 200,000 breath tests were faked by police officers in Australia. That's not welcome news. Uh, One more call here, and and we'll give you a chance to close it out. Randy, or sorry, Rudy, good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, My question is uh, what happens if um, you don't really refuse that test, but you guide them with question of you prefer blood test? Ah, okay. I, that's an interesting question, Rudy. Uh, th- thank you for it. Did you hear the question, Kyla? Yeah, he wants to know whether... It, it, can, uh, you, can you refuse a, a, a breath test and say, uh, take me to somewhere where I can give you a blood sample? Yes, and the answer is no, you cannot. If the police demand you do a certain type of test, your legal obligation is to comply with that type of test. You can't opt for something different. And in fact, the standard that police have to meet right now in Canada to get a blood sample is much, much, much higher than to get a breath sample. Okay, Uh, and of course, you've dealt with, uh, not a lot of time here, you've dealt with these roadside blow devices, which which cause police officers to uh, arrest people at the roadside and charge them. Uh, sometimes uh, the readings are less than accurate, which is why in many cases you're taken downtown to the police station and subjected to a second test on far more sophisticated equipment. Which of the two tests uh, uh, works best in court? Uh, The only one that's admissible in a criminal trial for impaired driving is the result of the one at the police station. The Ah. roadside tests are only used to give the officer the basis to say, okay, now I'm arresting you and taking you to the police station and taking breath samples there. Mandatory alcohol screening is the centerpiece of this legislation, says the Vancouver lawyer, who is also Canada's justice minister. Uh, They seem to be unimpressed by the Senate's uh, desire to remove some... uh, contentious clauses. Do you expect the Senate's action to have any impact on the eventual final piece of legislation? Yes, it's been made quite clear by the Liberal government, and in particular by Jody Wilson, that they're just going to put the random testing back into the bill when it comes back to the House. So I don't think this is the end of the debate, and I don't think that uh, this necessarily means it's the end of the road for random breath testing. But at least we have some indication that the Senate is concerned about the constitutionality of it. Okay, this. and final question with 30 seconds to answer. Is there a constitutional challenge likely if the bill goes forward? as the Liberals intended to? Absolutely. Um, First case I get, I'll be filing a constitutional challenge. There's a a whole body of Supreme Court of Canada precedent on this issue already. It's a significant issue that has the potential to affect millions of Canadians over the years, and and it's necessary for defense lawyers in my position to challenge it, and I will be doing that. We wish you considerable success. Kyla Lee, thanks for this. Appreciate you getting up a little early on a Saturday. Fascinating discussion. Appreciate it a lot. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.